2: welcome back to the theater podcast i'm your host alan seals and these are intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names and today we have two guests who live up to that they are the industry's biggest names as in they are the first in their kind to create the first museum dedicated exclusively to broadway appropriately named the museum of broadway they, they have such a, a wonderful friendship and long-standing uh, background together, working together in various like immersive events and and audience experiences. That's the best way to call it. It's like when you walk into a a, a place like, um, I, I use the, the metaphor of Disney World of when you're waiting in line, Disney does such a good job of creating the atmosphere, putting you in the world of the ride you're about to experience. And that's what the two of them together in their various roles outside of Museum of Broadway have yeah, they do, and to hear their background, the story, how they put it all together, is just—it's fascinating. It's something a little bit different. But now, taking that love, that expertise, and applying it to the Broadway space, they've created not only a museum, which Broadway desperately needs to document everything and and educate, but also the way they present it. It's it, it's moving from room to room. You're moving from era to era, from set to set, from. Uh, I just I can't explain it it's just phenomenal and I cannot wait to share this with you you've got to go to the museum next time you're in in New York it's right there in the heart of Times Square so like I always say find me online Instagram Twitter TikTok Facebook leave a rating leave a review tell a friend that's how this podcast will grow and how we can continue to make such amazing episodes like this and now everybody please enjoy this episode with Julie Boardman and Diane Nicoletti. Two, three. We have another two guest episode today. Longtime friends whose personal stories I cannot wait to dive into. First to be introduced here on the podcast is Julie Boardman, a two time Tony Award winning producer who's currently a co pro on the Broadway revival of Funny Girl. Oh man, I'm sure you're enjoying yourself with that one right now. Additional Broadway credits include an American in Paris, uh, Carousel. The recent revival of Company, Dames at Sea, Head Over Heels, one of my personally favorite shows of all time. I love it. Huey, Indecent, and The Inheritance, in addition to an amazing swath of tours and West End productions. And then our other guest is Diane Nicoletti, a creative director, producer, and entrepreneur who for two decades now has produced some of the biggest events and fan experiences, including the Game of Thrones fan experience, Gretzky's Retirement Gala, and brand activations at the Super Bowl, Comic-Con, CES, South by Southwest, and she's the founder of the award-winning exper- exper- experiential, that's a hard word, experiential marketing agency Rubik Marketing and have has had the privilege of working on Uh, Amazing properties such as Game of Thrones, Deadpool, Frozen, Hotel Transylvania, Dumbo, Shark Tank, uh, American Horror Stories, Ghostbusters. God, the list goes on forever. And this whole experiential event thing is fascinating. Can't wait to talk about it. Together... They finally, after a little bit of a delay, you know, due to this little pandemic thing, co-founded and opened the Museum of Broadway, the first of its kind, right in the heart of Times Square. Julie and Diane, oh, after all that bio-reading, welcome to the theater podcast.
0: Thank you so much for having us. Um, and I even have one more credit to add, too. Can you believe it? What's that? A doll's house. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. The, that's right. So <laughs> doll's house is... Uh, it's got y- longer. I... I think a great place to start is just explaining your connection, the connection to the uh, that the two of you have together, because like, it, it seems to me that you're sort of an unlikely pair maybe is, or I guess tell the story of how you met and why you started working together and what was your first project?
0: Yeah, well, so we went to college together um, at the University of Southern California well, so and we were in the press. same, yeah, and we were in the same sorority. That's really how we met. <laughs> so. Julie was Um, president of the sorority. (laughs) Yeah, so we've been long-time friends, um, and we didn't start working together until probably, I don't know, 10 years ago maybe now at this point. Um, At at one point in um, in that long list of things that you said I did, um, I also have been running an event staffing agency, and so Diane would hire my company to... Basically, like bring brand ambassadors and help bring it to life, um, the events that she created. So, we worked together on like tons of events over the years.
2: I'm a an, an relative newbie to the world of interactive events. And so, I think that's actually so I want to back up and like sort of get a, a general, I don't know, explanation or whatever. So, when we're talking about experiential events, what exactly does that mean? So, like, you know, uh, uh, Diane, you're you're saying um, you've worked on fan experiences. What what the hell is a fan experience?
1: <laughs> well, when you when you think of like how films and TV shows and brands like promote, obviously there's like the traditional advertising where it's a commercial spot or you'll see like a print ad or things like that. And I don't know, it, it probably about like 15, 20 years ago, I would say like. A lot of these brands started creating these experiential promotions where you start actually getting into the world of the brand. So m- people wanted to like touch and feel and an experience that, especially when it was something related to a, f- a show that they really liked or a film that they that they really wanted to embrace. And so, um, so that's kind of that's kind of the world of experiential. Um, and I got into that. Gosh, yeah, like. 15, 20 years ago at this point, um, and as did Julie. And so, you know, it, each of the different types of experiences was very different, but like a Game of Thrones experience, people wanted to see the costumes, they wanted to see the props, but then we recreated like the world of Westeros. So you could actually be in these different worlds um, within the show or Deadpool Dive into the different characters and get these selfie rooms and things like that. And so um, it was great. It's great for the brands because then you take a photo, you share it, etc. So um, it's sort of really resonated, and that's that's a big part of when we started brainstorming about the museum. How we wanted to approach the museum. So versus it being a flat, like a flatter experience, we wanted to make sure that it was going to be something you could really immerse yourself into.
2: That's interesting uh, because when i when I think about the actual logistics that go into building the set, building these experiences, right? What's the difference between, Hiring an actual set designer and, and a movie uh, Anyone who's going to build a set Like the person who Whoever built the set for Game of Thrones Did you reach out to them And you're like We need something that doesn't cost 53.2 million dollars That's going to last two months in Times Square Like how does how does the production side of it work Because this to me is, is fascinating That you wouldn't just hire the same people Or do you hire the same people?
1: Well no, I mean, we usually don't, but we take a lot of direction from the scenic designers. So if we're working with HBO, they obviously have the rights to their full, um, you know, the full IP, if you will. And so from that standpoint, we get a lot of like mood boards and maybe blueprints and things like that to help like recreate it, but in bite size form. So we can't create this gigantic world because that would take over a good majority of not even Times Square, like of a section of New York. And you just can't <laughs> really have that size of an experience, right? So so you create these like smaller versions of it. Um, and a lot of the people that work on the shows go from gig to gig to gig. So they actually can't really you know, stop and do something from an experiential standpoint. So there's all these great fabricators and designers that I've worked with over the years. um, And many of them actually worked on uh, the Museum of Broadway, too. So Square Fabricate, uh, Square Design out of Brooklyn um, created a lot of these different worlds and then worked on the Museum of Broadway with us.
2: So you're saying fabricators, you're saying people or companies who who take like a, a, a Drawing or a model, a scale model, and like have to figure out how to build it as a one-time thing. It's not a, a mass-produced entity,
1: right? Yeah. So, kind of our process was um, first we had the first we had the concept, if you will, and this is very much what we would do with um, our our clients and and brands as well. Is that you have the concept? What are what is that experience going to be? Then we work with one of our designers, um, and whether that be, um, an outside designer or whether that be an internal designer, but they actually create renderings, So 3d renderings of what the look and feel will be of that room or that space. And then from there, we kind of took it to the fabricators to understand how they would build it. And then once it goes to the fabricator, they create shot, like they create shop drawings, they figure out with us and with the designer what materials are going to be used. So are we talking about wood? Are we talking about sculpted foam? Are we talking about, you know, glitter panels? Like it it could just go on and on in terms of the different materials that go into building that environment. And then once that's approved, then it gets into, you know, really building it. Um, And then Julia and I would go over to Square all the time and, you know, be like, we do, we like this, we don't like this. Let's improve upon this, you know. Um and then a lot of times the designers cuz each of the rooms for the museum, we partnered with a different artist or designer. And so they would come with us to the shop at Square Design to to guide them too in terms of like yes, this is working, this is something that we need to to swish out on. Um and so we it was a fun part of the process and and we were there pretty often. So
2: that's, that's fascinating. I mean, I guess it sounds like it's a lot easier slash harder because of different reasons to take this giant mood board, a giant set, and, and squish it down into one room or a couple rooms or and one experience or whatever. And one of the first things I ever went to in one of these things um, was uh, the Trolls experience, the, like the Trolls movie, because I took my kids when they were a lot younger. I took them there in Times Square yeah. or something. It was like a little pop-up. And, but yeah, it's, it's fun because you get to walk through the environment, which as a, as a concept, I think for movies and for, uh, I guess for brands seems like a relatively new thing, but I mean, Disney's been doing this in their parks for decades, you know, you've got that sort of precedent that gets set. And I love, i I've always loved what they've done, uh, in, in the queue, the, the, the line waiting to get in, they make the atmosphere, they set the mood and they set the music and they make you part of it. So when you go on the ride, you've already like your brain is already there. I love that. But so Julie, you said you had a, an event company or have an event company. And then, and then Diane, you, I guess, so you were (laughs) one of the vendors that Julie would hire and, Gosh, I'm, I'm I think thinking reverse. back. Well, it's
1: yeah. kind of. Yeah. I was just going to say yeah. kind
2: of the reverse.
0: reverse yeah. So. Okay, yeah. so. So so uh, yeah, so what I did? Do you? Want, I can explain that. Yeah, and please, please, you, please. The pieces might fit together. Um, <laughs> so I ended up starting um, an event staffing agency, hiring Broadway performers like who are basically between shows and needed a gig so they could go audition and and live their life. Um, And so I started that in, I think it was 2009, um, with uh, my first thing I did, what I worked on um, was a vitamin water 10 pop-up shop in Soho. And then that led to the next and led to the next and it ended up being a lot of you know, great work, um, around people's schedules when, when they were available, um, and then they could go audition and live their life. Um, and so it's really cool because a lot of those people have gone on and are like big movie stars now. And so it's, it's pretty cool that the things that we did have enabled them to like, you know, Go to that audition and book that job and, and all of that while living in New York City. So you you take credit um, for
2: launching pay. their careers. That's I understand. No no did, yeah.
0: <laughs> no. I just got to help a little bit. Help a little bit to pay their rent. <laughs> um, <laughs> the important thing. Yeah. Um, no, but it was it was really it was really cool. And after a while, um, you know, I realized I wasn't necessarily living my dream i was helping them to live theirs and i was like what is my dream and i realized i wanted to be on the producing end in broadway and so that kind of started you know at the same time as i was continuing to do this work Um, and diane was one of my clients and so when she would have an event that she had put together and um created um she would then hire me to staff the people who worked at the event and help to like bring it to life and kind of like on-site management with the people and stuff like that. So we we worked together for many many years um and I think you know without that we would never have what we created with the Museum of Broadway because it's really a marriage of that world with Broadway, I guess. That's if That makes sense.
2: Okay, I I'm a big Disney nerd, so I'm in my brain it's all getting compared to Disney. And I love, 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 love when you go to like the haunted mansion at Disney World or uh, the Tower of Terror. Um, the 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 people who help you maintain the queue, who are helping you know cor- corral, they're all in character. They're like, "Welcome to the haunted man." Right? That takes acting. That's that's an actor. So it makes it makes total sense now how the two of you have started working together and why. <laughs> you start hiring Broadway actors, because why not? Uh, they're right in our backyard. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. Back up, I guess, for both of you. And, and um, Julie, I'll start with you. Like, where did your love for theater even come from? Why why theater in the first place?
0: Um. When I was five, I went to, like, my parents tried me out in softball and soccer and the things that, you know, every child I think does. And um, my neighbor across the street was doing a children's theater production of Annie. And so we just went to go see it. And I turned to my mom and I said, that's what I want to do. And literally then I was in like the next show that that children's theater um, produced, which was the sound of music. And I was a goat in the lonely goat herd. <laughs> mm. Really, really big, cool things in my past. Um, but no, I like have always <laughs> had from that moment, I guess, like a love of, of theater and performing and singing, dancing, acting. That became my entire life. Um, and in college, after I graduated um, at USA, I ended up, um, majoring in music industry and like working at a record label when I first moved to New York, but my um, my passion has always been um, Broadway and like theater. And so I went with my roommate on an audition for Forty Second Street, and I booked the national tour. And I was like, oh, crazy! And so I quit my job and I went on tour. And then when I came back, I did like the agent. They got an agent. I worked in a restaurant. Um, I had and then I had all these friends from auditioning. Um, And randomly fell into being like a promotional model brand ambassador myself and then started this company and then all the rest of the story that you heard before. So, um, yeah, I've just it's, you know, theater has been my my whole life. Kids, you know, would listen to cool things like top hits on the radio or whatever. And I would be like in the car listening to like Broadway show tunes because that was the thing I loved the most. Yeah. Yeah, me,
2: me, too. Too. <laughs> me too. Me too. Me too. Yeah. yeah so, so, I know Diane, like
0: every word to everything. <laughs> oh,
2: as you, as you should. There's no judgment. This is a safe space. We we are the theater yeah. podcast, so you can you can nerd out I as much it. as you want. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Diane, where are you no, put no, it? your for, love for your love for performing, uh, and I mean creating these events. You're you're creating an atmosphere, which, uh, yeah. So I'll let you tell your story. Where did this all come in?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I grew up in Hershey, Pennsylvania, Pen- Hershey, Pennsylvania, um, and I did, you know, dance from kindergarten through my senior year of high school and was in the musicals. I was like a, ch- a chunk monk is what we would call myself, or, uh, yeah, a skunk monk, sorry, <laughs> in Peter Pan, because I was like half chipmunk, half skunk, because they didn't have like the full costume, so that was kind of funny. Uh, but then I was like a nun, Aunt Eller- Marty and Greece, so like, you know, really got into that in high school, and then I was in a group called Pro- Productions, and so that actually, we put on the musical, we put on Homecoming, we put on the prom, etc. and so that's one of the first places where I really started doing events, if you will, and then all my internships in college, you know, working at Staples Center and Staples Center Foundation, got to do a lot with like the Lakers and the Kings and such, um, and then I went into you know, doing Super Bowl activations, and then eventually just started my own agency. Um, and so really sort of snowballed from there. Uh, but I've always been a fan, like I've never outside of the high school performance, which I want to say, I don't count, but like a little bit, <laughs> like I never professionally pursued it. Um, you know, I just always was a fan and, and loved coming to New York and, and seeing Broadway shows. And so um You know, one of the rooms that we have is the Phantom of the Opera room. And when I took my brother around, that was the first show that we ever saw on Broadway. And we both got like so emotional, like being in the room and reminiscing about our first time going to see a Broadway show. So, yeah, so a a little different than Julie, but but still a fan of Broadway.
2: No, it's it's I, I was hoping that you said exactly what you said, which was I just decided to do my own thing. And it seems like both of you at some point were just you were just like, well, I'm just going to create my own work because for whatever the reason. Like, you know, Diane, you're saying, I, I just started my own agency. I, you know, there's reason behind why you started your own agency, I'm sure. And then like, Julie, you were, uh, you quit your job, went on tour, came back and then started your own company. And I'd, I just love how, I guess... It makes the most sense you guys knew each other since college and have worked together and you're both you seem like a similar mindset of just well if it doesn't exist let's just go create it which i think is a lovely transition to get to dive into the museum of broadway because uh, like when the when i first heard about it it was like oh yeah why isn't there a museum of Broadway, there's an ice cream museum, there's a spy museum, there's a sex museum. There, like New York has every kind of museum, and people come to New York for Broadway. Why is there not a Broadway museum? So, can you tell the story of like you know the late night drinking session where you were like, hey, let's just make a museum and make our lives even harder. <laughs> How did that come about?
0: Oh my gosh! (laughs) I was
1: just gonna say you're not totally far off. I don't know if we were totally slurring at that point, but like we definitely um, had uh, we we had wine. And Julie is Julie's idea, and she came up to me and she was just like, "Yeah, someone was telling me about like you know, or why they asked the question of like why is there not a museum dedicated to Broadway?" And Julie stopped and was like yeah, I guess there isn't one. And then when she shared that with me, I was like, oh my gosh, that's brilliant. Like, why isn't there one? That's ridiculous. And so then we just started, it took a little bit, but then we just started whiteboarding and coming up with how we would approach it. You know, probably not even really realistically thinking we were going to be able to do it or pursue it, but just for fun, (laughs) like brainstorming. And And then it started getting real and people, it resonated with folks and you know, Julie had the smart idea of taking it around on like sort of a goodwill tour um, within the Broadway community to just make sure people had um, a sense of it, felt comfortable with the way we were approaching it and everything um, before we got too far down the rabbit hole. And then it was just sort of step by step along the way, you know, building the team out, building the creative concept out, you know, so on and so forth.
2: I guess for those who don't who don't know uh i mean it, it's like it's a self-guided museum where it takes an average of like an hour and a half right to walk end to end for most people and well i guess yeah describe describe the highlights for those who don't know because i know that it it celebrates the game changers of broadway which to me um one of my one of my standard closing questions that i will ask you too and um, spoiler so I normally don't give you this much advance notice but i ask at the end like what's one show if you could see for the rest of your you can only see one show for the rest of your life you can see it over and over again what would it be don't answer it yet we'll get to the end but my answer is rent because it's one of those shows that just changed the game it made it accessible and and we have and like every show that that you think back on that have been like oh this is this is uh something that changed the format that made it made theater uh, open to a new, a new demographic, a new group of people, a new generation of people. You've got a step along the journey in the museum to celebrate it, and every in these rooms. So you've got like Rent and Oklahoma and Phantom. Uh, you got the the like these costumes and the original costumes in some cases or replicas of these amazing, amazing things. And I guess when you were storyboarding it all out, a why decide on this format? Why does, Why not just have like an art museum of sorts? Of like, here's a bunch of props and here's a bunch of costumes. Why? Why sell? Why do the immersive <laughs> side of it? And then the other is, how did you narrow this down?
0: Yeah, those are really great questions. Um, when we were whiteboarding, um, I was also giving Diane kind of a crash course in like the Broadway community and how it all operates and the different relationships and everything. Um, And so taking that helped to guide, I think some of the um, experience in the museum because we really wanted to make sure like the first room that you come into is the playbill room and it's every single theater, forty-one of them, organized alphabetically by theater, and everyone gets the exact same amount of space. Whether you're a super long-running show like Phantom of the Opera or The Lion King, or you're a limited run of a of a play, or you know, we wanted to make sure that um, people got to see. How, how much theater is going on in New York every single night um, because a lot of people when they come to New York they know those bigger titles but they don't realize all the, like the diversity of, of offerings of shows um, and so you start there and it is very like Switzerland if you will um, and then you go and then you go um, into you know you walk through the store that says let's start at the very beginning and you go into the map room It's what we call it. Um, But it's the history of the theaters in New York City. So they started in the financial district. And then how did Times Square and Broadway become what they are? And it's just a really fascinating story that Diane and I thought was interesting. And so we wanted to dedicate a room to that so people could get a sense and understand that. So when you're in there, it's about a four minute video. um, And that story comes to life before your eyes. And Julie James does the voiceover, Jen Tepper curated the content, and you know it's, it's basically all about the buildings. And then you start walking the timeline of Broadway, starting with the first documented performance in New York in 1732. And then you, get, you go all the way through to present day, which continues to grow and expand, right? Every day there's new show, shows opening. And um, so as we were, again, back to the whiteboarding, we were like, how do you show? There's so many different ways you could um, or one could approach like making a museum d- or, you know, dedicated to Broadway. Um, there's so many plays and musicals and people and these, you know, groundbreaking moments. And then that was sort of like a, a bit of an aha moment, I guess, when we figured that out, we were like, Oh, well, what if, what if you, you know, uh, people in general can agree that rent, you know, was a major shift, right, in in the theater that was shown, or Oklahoma in its moment. Um, And so when you look through that lens, um, it actually, you know, it's a smaller list. So as you're walking through the museum, through this timeline, you have these um, timeline walls that are much more like what you would expect to see in a museum um, in terms of like content. So it's plays, musicals, and then these groundbreaking milestone moments. Um, ben West uh, was our timeline curator there. And, um, and you'll see, you know, uh, things that represent the different shows. So maybe like a, you know, a handwritten lyric sheet or maybe a photo, it may be, you know, all sorts of different things to represent um the shows or the people, these like moments, and then you get to an exhibit designed by either a Broadway uh, scenic designer or um, an artist from outside of of Broadway. Who, um, you know, we had kind of the seed of the idea, if you will, and then you know, found artists or designers to match that, and then they obviously took it kind of to the next level, um, and so the room comes to life around you and you're like immersed in the Ziegfeld Follies. And then in Showboat, it's a paper artist. And then in Oklahoma, you're walking through a cornfield. And um, in West Side Story, you're in Doc's Drugstore. So each each is, um, you know, has its own spin. And then, you know, Diane mentioned earlier, Game of Thrones owns all their IP. We actually had to go to all of the estates um, and authors to um, get permission in order to do the, the exhibits around the shows and work with them, um, you know, as we were going as well. Um, and so you end up getting all the way to present day. Um, and then you knock on a stage door and you go backstage into how do you make a Broadway show and what are all the different jobs that you could have? And, and, you know, I think people know, you know, to be an actor, but they don't realize, um, you know, how many jobs it takes or, you know, they might know that there's a costume designer, but like all the artisans behind that person. So, and we wanted to kind of expose that and um, worked with David Rockwell and his team to put that together. Um, And that was just like an important thing as we are going through is just showing people a little bit behind the curtain. it, and hopefully it helps people to experience Broadway a bit differently when they go to see the next show. They look at it. Instead of just loving the show, they're, they have a deeper appreciation, I think. Um, and then we have a special exhibit, which rotates. Um, and then you exit um, through the gift shop. You also enter through the gift shop. And it's open to the public, whether they come to the museum or not. Um, and then something else that was really important to us, again, while we were whiteboarding, is... Um, you know, education, kind of the next generation, all that piece of it, and so we we made sure that we created a rehearsal studio that doubles as an event space, so we can have, you know, panel discussion, master classes, all sorts of programming like that to kind of be a further, you know, you know, place for people to learn, um, and so, you know. As Diane said, step by step is very much my motto. So we're like, let's open a museum, and then now it's running, and then now we'll start to expand the programming um, that we offer in that in that space, which is really exciting. Um, and it's you know the the museum is a you know the community kind of coming together to make this happen because it hasn't existed before, um, and so you know we say it's like you know by the community and and all the things because it's really a lot of people, you know, coming together to make this possible. So yeah. And to have a place that celebrates Broadway in the middle of Times Square, it does seem really obvious. So (laughs) I think Diane and I are are a little bit like uh, humbled and just really grateful that we were the ones to be able to help make this happen. And Put our spin on it from our past, you know, experience in in all the fan activations and and um, promotional events and things like that. So we tried to make something that we thought people would like. And even up until we opened, we were like, we hope people like this. <laughs> and then it, it, turns out, it turns out they do.
2: We're gonna take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. Diane, is this your first foray into Broadway producing? I mean,
1: cause it- It is. Yeah? And, I've, and, I've, uh, <laughs> I guess I've invested in some shows in the past, but not produced anything.
2: And is but, it, uh, is it as easy and simple and straightforward as you as ever expected it to be?
1: It is not. <laughs> <laughs> your eyes went so wide. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely is not. It is not. I mean, I do, I do think like any, any production, whether it be film, television, there's so many layers and there's so many people that are involved. There's always a complication, a good complication, but a complication with that. Um, but I think that, yeah, Broadway, Broadway just has like a little bit of a different way that they conduct business, I think a, lo- a little, different than at least the experience that I have in other industries.
2: Oh, it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of insane um, how complicated it is. And, and I, I don't,
1: I don't quite
2: understand uh, why this is. But it, fe- it feels like to me that Broadway is sort of the last, um, not maybe the last, but one of, one of the final to adopt new technology or to embrace kind of uh, new things. Because they want to keep doing what works, right? Because it's a proven entity. So was that, for the two of you breaking into this space in, like you're introducing a museum into a typically theatrical performance-based uh, medium. But as you were breaking in, trying or I guess not breaking in, because you're both involved with in entertainment in your own way, but like integrating your own skill sets into the Broadway space, uh, what was sort of the biggest challenge for each of you that you had to to overcome to get the museum to where it is now? And put, put COVID aside for a second, because supply chain issues and you're literally constructing in the middle of a pandemic, that's understood and we'll acknowledge that. But outside of that, the whole yeah. business side of it, what was sort of the most surprising?
0: Yeah, I wanna touch on one uh, thing you said just of like Broadway being a little bit, excuse me, behind the curve. Um, I remember being at a conference um, and I don't know if it was like, this is way before the museum I think like existed and the whiteboarding and all of that. But I remember being at a Broadway conference and everyone was talking about how do we get millennials to come to Broadway and you know continue to grow the audience and all of these things. And, um, and at the time I was working uh, on my staffing agency, on a VR experience um, for Marriott, and um, and I had said to someone at the conference, like, what if you like show people like what Broadway looks like or something? So I kind of wonder if that was like a little germ of the idea. We didn't go as far as VR in the in the museum, but um, but we do have AR and all sorts of all sorts of things. And I think you know we really wanted it to be dazzling and push things forward and we'll continue to like grow and evolve um, that piece of it I think over time. Um, Sorry Diana totally jumped in but go ahead.
1: No mine mine was going to be a little bit different in terms of the process I guess what you were just saying like in terms of like the challenges I think you know at the end of the day this was a stretch for both of us I mean a like a museum of Broadway hasn't existed before so there were things that both of us you know, we always say, like, we have very different strengths and weaknesses, which is maybe a good thing, like, for our partnership. Um, You know, Julie is so, so great with, like, the networking and the relationships and everything like that. And I very much feel comfortable in back of health. <laughs> so, like, and I'm really more of, like, the production side, like, on the end and, you know, working with you know square our fabricator and you know dealing all with all of the other like lighting and the tech and everything like that and so anyway so we complement each other really well but you know, for me, i had never done major construction before, you know, we would work with GCs here and there, depending on if we were taking over a space temporarily for um, like a pop up, but we never really needed to do anything permanent. And so that meant not necessarily needing to work with GCs. So outside of my own personal experience, like, you know, doing renovations in my house and things like that, I didn't have that professional experience. So we hired a construction project manager, because that was a place we, you know, we obviously had a hole, we had a gap and we needed someone that that knew what to do and could guide us appropriately. Um, you know, and similarly, and Julie can talk about the things that, you know, she hadn't done before, whether that be licensing or things like that, that, you know, we had either lawyers help us or other folks kind of help guide us in how we would approach it. So, you know, we're really lucky that we were able to find really amazing Let's call them teammates because it really was sort of that team approach to the museum to help us where, you know, we couldn't know everything, we didn't know everything. And so all of these folks really helped us make it better than we could, you know, that we could do on our own. So I think that that challenges it, maybe the right word, but new understanding new things and you know not feeling bad about asking what might be a dumb question to some people but just because we didn't know it and so then asking that question filling the gap and then you know taking the steps forward do either
2: of you now that you're on the (laughs) other side of it You've it, it just opened. I mean, it was scheduled to open a while back, but COVID delayed it, and it just opened November 15th, right? I have that right. Um, so congratulations, it's now finally here, now finally open a couple months in. It, what was sort of do each of you have like a, a standout pinch me moment? You know, if you're you, you have Jane Krakowski walking through, or authentic costumes that are on display, or like Anthony Rapp came and and. And was there in the rent room, like any of this stuff, you're looking at these people in these spaces that have helped change our 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 entire culture, a global culture, I I might say, in in some respects. Right. So you've got these people that you're working with now, like at at any point where either of you like, holy crap, I'm here working with so and so or this person's here and they're (laughs) crying because of this or whatever it is.
0: You know, I think it's that step by step mentality. So as these really cool moments were happening, we're still like in the thick of it, like getting things done and think the moment that popped to my my head it was um Andrew Lloyd Webber and his wife came through. and wow. um and that was pretty cool. and we they came through before we opened. so we're still construction, finalizing things. So I don't think until after it happened that it really sunk in like what a major moment that was um and part way walking through to um you know when we got to the room that you know there's a wall and he's on it and then you know you turn the corner and then you're in the exhibit about phantom of the opera and um i kind of had this moment. as I hope he likes it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and they did. And, you know, at the at the end, I think he used the word brilliant of, like, talking about what we had created. And it was just, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty mind-blowing moment. But I don't think it sunk in until a bit later. Because in the moment, we just had so many things happening. And we were, you know, getting to the finish line. And we were going to open on time. And all the pieces that were, were happening. Um, but um yeah so that was like a moment for me I guess um I had like a one thing from before too that I was thinking about is just the real the real estate piece of it um you know we didn't know where it would land or how it would land it was like finding the home was kind of the most important we looked at so whole many places that, um, you know, anything that was like between 20 and 40,000 square feet in the middle of Times Square. Um, And we were lucky to find this landlord also who also like got it and believed in, you know, what we wanted to create. Um, You know, I never knew I could raise so much money. Like I had raised money for Broadway before, but never of this magnitude. And the people in the Broadway community like really came together. Um, to make this happen and you know couldn't do it without everyone who's been involved so far Um, so anyways it's just been kind of a dream come true.
1: I think also just the reception um, you know like Julie said we weren't we were hoping that people were going to really like it but until you get people in the door like you don't really know and so from that standpoint that was that was really good you know in terms of of that feeling you know uh, pretty much every single review's been good like or really good i should say in terms of you know being very complimentary about like the thoughtfulness that went into to designing the museum so that that definitely feels good um tim rice came early on and he i mean he he's just a lovely gentleman and he was complimenting us and saying how much you know you guys have impacted like the culture and you know the art form and everything and that never felt like that was going to be part of this right like it's like we were doing the thing (laughs) we weren't necessarily creating art necessarily but now I guess we have and a cultural institution in some ways and I think that was a little bit of the, oh, wow, I, I guess we are. And that, and that is something that sort of surprised us and a little bit of that pinch me moment that it made such an impact.
2: You're essentially creating an installation, and it's a permanent installation, right? Uh, that in theory can outlast every other show that you're talking about that is part of it. And like wicked someday may close and lion king someday may close and all of these institutions that you think of when you think of broadway and times square and then hopefully fingers crossed the museum of broadway is going to just be there forever and be able to document the history of broadway now going forward and i think that's i think that's a massive accomplishment uh that that's part of the pinch me moment i think that uh, that i would take away from all of this is that it's helping to create something that's literally going to help record history an on an open-ended basis and because you can change as the industry changes you're still documenting the industry but you just continue and continue i think it's just brilliant so congratulations on on opening and getting there and raising so much money i know it was the the business side the producing side of broadway is uh is quite an interesting thing that a lot of people don't know about they just want to show up and dance around and don't realize like you said the amount of staff and jobs and talent it takes uh, even within like a costume designing entity you still have all these people like someone designs it but then there's someone who has to build it and there's people who are sequin experts and other people who are fabric experts and there's all sorts of different things that you need to do so anyway i think it's brilliant so i want to end now with the three closing questions that i foreshadowed Earlier, so uh, let's see, Diane, we'll start with you for this first one. There's three questions. The first one, just very simply, is what motivates you?
1: What motivates me? Um, trying to do something new that I haven't uh, been able to do before.
2: Mm, awesome, okay, Julie.
0: <laughs> um, actually, probably the same thing um i think that's a commonality that we have like you know it it's finding that next challenge and um perhaps it's disruptive i think that's like a theme in in my life i try to just you know shake things up a little bit um but yeah and you know it, the challenge and just trying to figure it out and um there's like that quote about if it was easy everyone would do it um, mm-hmm. I think we've sent that back and forth to each other over time, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, just to keep motivating each other as we, as we went through this, um, you know, quite lengthy process to open it. Um, and someone said, you know, you had the baby and now, now it's an infant and soon it will be a toddler. And, you know, so it's, it's, um, it's been a really fun, fun process working on this.
2: All right. So then, uh, Julie, you'll start this next question then. This is the question. If you can only see one show for the... Oh, sorry. No, no, no. That's the last one. Oh, I'm skipping ahead. Okay. So now. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Julie. Second question. What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path?
0: Um, not to listen when people say no and kind of to forge your own path and kind of realize that, you know, because... I think when you're younger, like out of college, it's like expected that you're supposed to intern and then you're the assistant and then you're the associate and you kind of like work your way up in a company. Um, that was never my path. I, my path has been kind of all over the place. Um, but, you know, it's gotten to me to where I am today, which, you know, will continue to grow and evolve too. So I think, um, yeah, I think just, you know, if you believe in something go going after it, you know, with your whole heart and, and just the determination, I guess with the passion and knowing, you know, again, that step-by-step motto, <laughs> it's very helpful. Just, you know, one step after the next and you, you can do it too. Diane. Uh, it's a tough
1: one. Cause I think, I think it's important to have experience. I think it's important to, get yourself financially sound to take them the risks to do these bigger things, but it's not everything. So it's trying to have, especially when you're really young, having that balance of being able to, you know, Either have a steady job or have a steady income. You know that could be waiting, that could be bartending, that could be you know a, a myriad of different things. But you know having a control on that because that's really important. Not everyone you know is able to. Um, uh, they they have to work, right? You know, and so I think that that's like an important thing to to remember. But then also to take those little challenges. So you know, early on, I was really scared about, you know, starting out on my own. And I had a dad that, you know, worked for 30 years at Hershey Foods. And, you know, that was sort of the path that you go on. And so I didn't necessarily have, you know, adult role models to take those risks. And so it was very scary. But then once I did, um, it opened up like a whole myriad of different things and experiences that I wouldn't have been able to get if I would have just stayed on one path um, at a job. So, um, but it's, but it's also not for everyone. I think sometimes, you know, entrepreneurship is really glorified and it, it really isn't for everyone. And so if you have a certain lifestyle or path in mind, like, again, maybe it's more of a pet project than a full project. Cause it does, it takes a lot out of you. Gotcha.
2: Wow. True. Yeah. All right. So then, Diane, this is the question. If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see?
1: Mm. Such a good one. Um, I don't know. I, I, list, I actually listen to the Phantom of the Opera soundtrack like all the time. So I don't <laughs> know. I guess probably that one. And then, um, and also too, because it was my first show. So I have the great memories from that so i'm gonna pick phantom it's probably cliche but i like it
2: cool julie what's yours
0: um well i really like your rent answer but um so if i can pick two it that would be one of them but if i can only pick one um actually think an american in paris um just i I, i've you know was a co-producer on it it was the first show i was part of on, on broadway and i I'm sure I saw the show over 75, 80, I don't know how many times, and I could continue seeing it and, you know, many, many, many more times just because the, um, the artistry, like, um, on, on the stage was really incredible and just, I don't know. Yeah, I, I really love that show. So
2: I absolutely love it. Yeah, you it was know. a good show. So how can we connect with the two of you on social media uh, and – of course, um, the Museum of Broadway. Uh, Plug all your socials.
0: Um, So the museum social is at Museum of Broadway. Um, So we'd love for people to come check us out there um, and kind of see all the things that are happening at the museum. And then I guess my personal one is Miss Julie Boardman. Mm I've never I've never shared that like publicly before but Well, you don't have you to. Know. We can <laughs> We can leave it out if you
1: want. No, it's fine. <laughs> I have four kids, so I I keep mine private. So True. True, true, true. All right. So I'll so I'll uh, I'll, I'll refrain from uh sharing mine.
2: <laughs> very 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 fair. I've always go back and forth as like how much do I want to share about my kids? But yeah, I get it. And four kids. Congratulations totally. cuz doing that and starting a museum, wow, Um, that's impressive in and of itself.
0: Yeah, she's superwoman, basically. I don't know (laughs) how she does it. I don't know how she does it. I have a dog. Like, I don't know how. It's it's very impressive.
1: (laughs) There's, There's two home today, so sorry if there was some background noise there's some sicknesses going around oh, so yeah it's happening it's happening this time of
2: year you can get more so, um, uh, amazing episodes like this on the theaterpodcast.com. I'm on socials at theater underscore podcast leave a rating and review wherever you're listening thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music and Julie and Diane thank you so much <laughs> I really enjoyed this I, I knew about you and I knew about the museum obviously and diving into your histories has been has been really really cool so thank you for sharing
1: thanks for thank having us so much